Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. A release I sent out this morning says that the city has uh, got a contractor, actually maybe even two contractors and some consultants and everybody else, and they're going to tackle this idea about the surfacing on the Red Hill. And uh, I know this has been in the news for the last little while. Uh, city council's been kicking around a number of different ideas towards solutions on this, and it looks as if it might actually get started in the next little while. Uh, joining us to bring us up to speed on what's happening is John Paul Danko, who is the uh, city councilor for Ward 8, and uh, joining us now on the Bill Kelly Show. Morning, John Paul. How are you doing today? Good morning, Bill. I'm doing pretty good. How are Ex- you? Excellent, excellent. Listen, thanks for taking the time with us today. Uh, I, I want to get into some of the details about this, but maybe you could just give us a brief overview on how the city's going to attack this. My understanding is it may actually start in the next week or two. That's right. Uh, we're pretty uh, excited to get going on this as soon as possible. It's been uh, you know, a long-standing concern for Hamilton citizens, and uh, the repaving is an important part to make sure that we, uh, we address uh, some of those concerns anyway. So this contract, now that it's uh, awarded, um, it's going to scheduled to be complete by July 22nd, and uh, each lane of each direction of the Red Hill will be closed for paving. So the entire northbound section will be closed, um, and then the entire southbound section. And there's a small break in there from June 3rd to June 9th, uh, where we're not going to do any work to accommodate the uh, the Canadian Open in Ancaster. Now, when you say, for instance, I think the northbound section is going to go first, uh, and it's going to be closed down entirely. Now, are you going to allow traffic on the southbound lanes, or is it going to be just no, you can't get down the Red Hill? Is that the way it's going to be? It'll just be the southbound traffic, as I believe how it's set up. So all northbound traffic will have to be rerouted, is, is how I understand. Okay, because somebody was asking me on the weekend whether or not that you're going to actually have traffic going both ways as you were doing this. It sounds as if that's not going to be in the plans. No, and, and I... I believe that would be a safety concern, right, where you have yeah. uh, high traffic on, uh, on a small road that's not, you know, on one direction of the road anyway, that's not meant for that. So okay. my, under, my understanding is, is that the intention is to reroute that traffic. We'll have uh, advanced signal timing. We'll have uh, detour signage up um, and try to make it as, as painless as possible. But in any construction job, it's always... Uh, you know, once once you close a road, especially a road that's important to Hamiltonians as the Red Hill is, um, it, it, there's going to be some construction headaches. That's there's no no way to get around that, unfortunately. Well, when I heard this, it, it brought to mind, uh, I guess it was about four or five years ago now, when uh, they decided to repave the link uh, in subsequent weekends. You know, they're going to do eastbound one time and westbound the other. Uh, so essentially, it was shut down. And as I recall. Uh, it was essentially impossible to, to go from east to west in, or at west to east at all in the city because just about every east-west corridor, uh, whether it was Fennel, Mohawk, uh, Stone Church, I mean, all the way up past Rymel, was gridlocked just about every Saturday and Sunday. So, I mean, it's going to be a, a headache. Is there anything the city can do to try to uh, accommodate the, the increased volume that's going to spill over into the other roads now? Well, we're, we're doing our best to put up uh, advanced signage to sign effective detour routes um, to, you know, we know that with that crush of traffic that we're going to have to adjust some of the signal timing to give priority for that north-south traffic. Um, so there are some things that we can do on, on the detour routes to, uh, to accommodate that traffic. But the reality is when, when you do close a road that has high traffic volumes like that um, for a construction job that's important as this one, um, there, there is going to be an impact on the public. And the advantage of closing the road is that it allows us to get a much better quality job. It's much more safe for the workers. 
and it also gets allows us to finish it much faster. So in this case, um, the entire job is scheduled to finish by the end of July. So for a job of that scope, that's that's pretty quick. And and if we were to stage the job, if we were to allow two-way traffic, um, it could easily double that. So you know, it's it's kind of pulling off the bandaid really fast. You know, get in there, get it done, and and get it back to back to normal as quickly as possible. Well, there's going to be a huge, huge increase in volume of traffic, I guess, on just about every other mountain access. Mm-hmm. Yes, there will be for the for the duration of the the contract, and we'll we'll try to communicate as much as we can uh, with the public and with the media to make sure that people know what the construction schedule is. So, for example, when it's closed, when it's going to be closed, when it's going to be reopened and try to, to mitigate those traffic volumes as, as best we can. All right, let's let's talk about some of the, the nitty-gritty on this thing, and I'm glad that, that you had some time to talk about this, because you've got a background in engineering, you understand some of this stuff, and, and maybe you can explain a little bit of this. First of all, uh, two consultants are working on this project? Um, to be honest, I'm not sure what the, the details of the... Uh, of the contract is, but uh, I know we do have a, a, um, a qualified quality control consultant that will be doing the, the QC testing. Um, so beyond that, I, I, I can't, uh, I'm not sure I can help you out any further with that. Well, I, from uh, what uh, Gordon McGuire says, he's the engineering director, of course, uh, suggesting mm-hmm. that uh, there's a special consultant here to develop specifications for resurfacing on quality aggregate. Uh, this is Now, it's getting into the inside baseball stuff here. They're talking about asphalt, cement, and Frictional characteristics. So what do they mean by frictional characteristics? So it, it, when you make asphalt, it's kind of like uh, it, it's a civil engineering version of baking a cake. So there's a bunch of ingredients that go into that asphalt. And how you proportion your ingredients and the quality of the ingredients that you have depend on what the asphalt is at the other end. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a joke in the industry that if, if you put it down black side up, you've done your job right. But in, <laughs> in, in fact, asphalt is actually very complicated. So um, I, my, my understanding, I guess, would be that that consultant it would, be an es- act, would be an expert in asphalt and mix design. And uh, because of what happened with the previous mix, you know, we want to make sure that we get it right this time around. Okay, but how do you decide which kind to put down on a roadway? Do, and, and does it vary from d- different parts of the city? Yeah, it does. And it also varies depending on which part of the road that you're building. So, for example, um, the base course, like the bottom of the road, is a much coarser mix that's meant for stability and uh, gives the asphalt its strength. And then when you get up to the top, you're... you're it's a much finer mix that's the surface course and that's where you're talking more about the friction and the uh the the ride characteristics so um even in even in the same job you'll have different uh, types of mixes on the same roadway so and and is it the same formula then for every road i mean if uh, if you were repaving upper kenilworth would you use the same kind of asphalt that you'd use on the red hill no, not necessarily. Usually municipalities in the province, they have their standards for what their preferred asphalt mix designs are. Um, some use like a high stability mix, some use a standard mix because it, the cost changes as well. So if you're doing, uh, for example, a driveway or a pathway, you're not going to use the same quality of mix that you would use for something that's important as Red Hill. All right. So with that in mind, I, I guess the obvious question a lot of people are going to have is, uh, what kind of mixture was used in the Red Hill initially that, that seems to be causing the problems, or at least seems, and I say seems to be, because that, yes, that's yet to be determined, I understand. Yeah, and that's an interesting question, and uh, I, you know, I don't have all the answers for that one, of course. Um, 
but the mix that was used initially was a uh, was a trial mix which the MTO was developing at the time. It was a uh, it was a mastic um, asphalt cement mix. It was actually supposed to be a very high quality um, asphalt mix, and uh, you know, unfortunately, it didn't turn out to do to work out that way. Um, as as civil engineers, it's one of the things is we're we're very adverse to risk and and changes and. That's a good example of uh, why we keep things the same. Well, in hindsight then, and, and of course this predates your time on council, but uh, should they have made, was it a gamble to actually try something new without really knowing exactly how it was going to react? No, I don't think so. Like, I think um, when they developed that mix, they, you know, they would have done all their laboratory testing, and it, it was very high-quality material. So I don't, I don't think there's any reason to expect that it would uh, perform the way it ended up uh, performing. But, uh, you know, we, we do have to try to develop new ways and new ways of doing things and improving our techniques. And, and that was uh, that was an attempt uh, along those lines. So it's just uh, unfortunate that it, it didn't work out the way that it was intended. Now, has, has anybody else used this same mix? I mean, this is not the only roadway, I'm sure, that in the province that, that uses this. And is this the only one that seems to be having problems with it? Um, I'm not sure. And I think that's something that the judicial inquiry will look at. I know it has been used, the, the original mix, the actual mastic mix, has been used by the MTO on, on MTO, on, sorry, on 400 series highways. So I, I would expect that that would probably be one of the questions that uh, the judicial inquiry would delve into to see where else it has been used, has anywhere else had similar issues, because obviously you want to look at those kind of comparators. Now, again, with your civil engineering background, maybe you can help us out with this too. Uh, uh, we're told here the city will certainly increase the friction on the roadway by uh, repaving it to provincial highway standards. Uh, mm-hmm. wh- what, what standards were used initially? Um, I'm not sure. I might. No, I'm not, not going to speculate. I'm not sure what the standards were originally. But this this time around, my understanding is the contract would be to Ontario provincial standards OPS, which is the standard in Ontario for the construction industry. Everybody uses that standard. All contractors are familiar with the standard, and um, it, it, and it provides a very high quality product. Okay, but there's an insinuation here, John Paul, and I'm just trying to get to the bottom of this, as I know you are too. Uh, when they say they're going to bring it up or use provincial standards, that seems to indicate to me that they didn't uh, initially, uh, that this is going to be a different approach to it. And, and I, I find that intriguing. I'm, I'm not sure that it's a different approach to the paving, and, and uh, but it is a different uh, product that's being put down. So going back to the analogy of the cake mix, it's a, it's a different cake. Yeah, so we're going to get the QEW asphalt as opposed to what was on there before, what is on there now, I guess. Well, well, we'll get a more standard mix that's used um, throughout the province that's tried and tr- tried and tested and true. All right. Now, this was the resurfacing, just so so we can be clear on this, the resurfacing was going to happen anyway, wasn't it? Maybe not this summer, but it was going to happen sooner than later. That's right. That's my understanding. Uh, the, the mix that was on there was near to the end of its uh, service life, and it was scheduled for, uh, for resurfacing. Is that usual? Because, uh, you know, it hasn't been that long, really, that the roadway's been open. Well, it depends on how heavily the, the road, any given roadway is, is used. So the heavier the truck traffic in particular, the shorter the lifespan of the asphalt. So in this case, I'm not sure if that's usual or not. I haven't uh, delved into, you know, kind of the reasons why it's being resurfaced. But um, typically asphalt has a lifespan of, of 15 to, uh, to 20 years before it needs some maintenance. So in this case, that 
relatively falls into that time frame. Okay, so that's 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 not suspect at this stage. Uh, and as mentioned, the city's going to roll out some information packages about this. I guess they can probably go to the website, too. Uh, while I've got you here, you did mention the, the judicial inquiry. Uh, what's the status on that now? Where are you in that process? So just at our last council meeting, we... Um, we formally adopted the questions that we were sending in to, uh, to the judge to be part of the judicial inquiry. So my understanding at this point in the process, and we also approved the budget with an upset, upset limit. Um, so my understanding this part, at this point in the process, we're going to the province to ask for a judge to actually oversee that inquiry. So we're waiting to hear back for who that will be and what the uh, what the timelines will look like. Okay, so you have to make an official request for that. And uh, do you have any idea what the timeline is? How quickly the government can respond? Well, the hope is that uh, the judicial inquiry can be uh, can be completed. I, I believe the timeline that we we're hoping for is around a year. Now, these things uh, once they're in the hands of the judge uh, who's overseeing the inquiry, it's up to them to delve into any and all um, areas that they think is relevant to the investigation. Uh, which is why the budget that we set was was so high. I believe it was seven million dollars. We're hoping not to go anywhere near that, but you know we have to have, be realistic that it, it could delve into areas that we're not uh, anticipating at this point. So um, to have a, a enough a high enough of a budget that all that will be taken care of. So to give you a timeline, I can't do that because once the judge gets into it, um, we don't know where where the investigation is going to lead. But the hope the hope was originally to have this uh, you know well underway and if not finished, close to being finished within a year. Now, I, I obviously the, we saw the seven million dollar uh, price tag for this, and I know some of your council colleagues kind of had sticker shock when they saw that. Uh, is that a ceiling, or is that just an estimate at this stage? Because uh, uh, as we all know, the longer things go on, the more expensive they're going to be. Uh, is there a possibility it might be more than seven million? Um, so that the seven million is the upset limit. So that's what we're expecting the absolute maximum to be. Now the the intention and the hope is that it'll be well under that, but we had to have a robust enough budget so that we didn't approve an inquiry and then run out of budget in the middle of it and have to come back and, and ask for more money. So um, that that's I believe that's where the seven million dollars came from. Well, the process begins, and uh, we're going to start to see some actions on that roadway, I guess, in the next week or two. Uh, John Paul, as always, thank you so much for taking some time and explaining uh, what seems to be a very intricate uh, project. Appreciate the time today. No problem. Thanks for having me on, Bill. Take care, John Paul Danko, of course, uh, Ward Eight City Councilor, uh, and we'll keep you posted here at CHML too about the construction when it starts and. Uh, uh, we'll, I'm sure, have discussions about alternative routes, too, because it's uh, going to get a little messy for the uh, first few months of the summertime. Anyway, traffic standpoint uh, is going to be somewhat problematic. But lots more to talk about as we get closer to that date. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.